Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and this week I am joined by our esteemed uh, ski analyst, Brian Ashlock, coming to us live from Miami. Brian, how are the slopes? The slopes are awesome, man. They're just banging. Everybody is uh, getting, um, you know... Uh, vaccinated, which will hopefully allow us to lift the quarantines that are in place in South Beach um, so the party can continue on, my man. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, Ben could not join us this week because, once again, he cannot hang. But uh, it's International Week, so it's not that big a deal. We don't have a Spurs game to talk about uh, mercifully. Uh, I think mercifully. I'm I'm kind of amazed. uh, I've certainly been feeling this, Brian, but the... I talked to a few Spurs fans this week in various different walks of my life, and they all expressed some version of the sentiment that they used to really fucking hate international breaks because, you know, it sort of took Spurs away from them and they just wanted it to be over. And I know that's the reason I have a certain level of antipathy for international football, but I'm not feeling that this time around. It really does feel like a break. Uh, how Are you feeling that too? Yeah, and I, I I think, you know, it's not for any of the reasons that we really discussed, like, ad nauseum on the podcast. It's just, like, this season in general just hasn't been all that much fun. I mean, I think it's both. Do you mean because of how we've played or just because of the COVID, the weirdness uh, of it? I, no, I mean the, 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 the actual performances. Oh, yeah. You know, no, the personnel yeah. and stuff like that. Like, like, I am just more, you know, like, I'm just enjoying the break just for that reason, I guess. Well, it felt like, I mean, Ben and I talked about this a little bit last week, but the Dinamo game really felt like a big inflection point for our season, and it was like, oh, this is it for Jose, or Jose's in a lot of trouble now. And, you know, the Villa game happens, and it's Villa, especially, I don't think Grealish was in that game, and, you know, it just muddles along, and there's a lot of season left, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, for, for me, the Europa League was one of the things that was like, you know, if we could win a Europa League, that, that would have felt like a lot of this was worth putting up with. And without yeah. that, it's just ugh, even a League Cup doesn't sound all that great, even though I'm sure I will enjoy it if we win a League Cup. I mean, a trophy sounds exciting, but, you know, two trophies sounded even more exciting. Well, a European trophy just sounds yeah, better. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, but whatever, you know, we, we've not had to talk about a Spurs match, and, you know, I think that's that's good. We don't have to... Waste time discussing, you know, the usual issues and problems. So, so we can talk about fun things. Yeah. So I thought this week we would uh, look back at something that has largely been a pleasant experience for Spurs fans. Um, I just want to do a bit of a retrospective on Gareth Bale and sort of our experiences with him, and sort of what he's meant to us, what he's meant to Spurs, uh, and what you know, just generally our thoughts on him. I thought it would be a fun discussion to have. I think Bale is probably the first superstar of the modern era of Tottenham Hotspur, certainly since, I mean, 
depending on how you define it, I would say Gaza in the early 90s. I think he's certainly the biggest player since him. I mean, I guess depending on what you think of Klinsman. Uh, you know, Bale was kind of just starting to blow up. Uh, I, I became a Spurs fan in 2010. So I missed that run-in that we had to get in the Champions League where Bale, I think, really started demonstrating himself as an attacking player. But I really first come to know Bale as like a guy who was an emerging star for Tottenham. But you you were around from... You're an OG, Brian, right? You were around from the very beginning when, when Gareth Bale was wearing, you know, like uh, hair clips and couldn't win a game at Spurs, right? Right. Didn't have his ears pinned back yet. Mm. You know, all the good stuff. No, I, As I a fellow I big ear haver, I gotta say, I, I think that might have been the day I fell out of love with Gareth when he got his ears fixed. Like, you know. I mean... More power to the guy. He looked kind of funny. Um, no, but I think the thing that I remember most about, like, just us signing Gareth Bale was, like, it was exciting because this was, like, the next great, you know, Southampton youth product. And he'd been linked with Manchester United and Arsenal. And he'd ended up coming to Spurs. And... The, the the rumors had been such that like we'd had a a bid accepted for him by Southampton in January thought he was going to come in in January he ended up rejecting the contract because he wanted to see if he could get Southampton promoted and and then when they lose in the in the playoff final um or well then then the the switch gets agreed I guess or the switch gets agreed sometime earlier and then they ended up losing in the the playoff final whatever the case was um and it was actually like a really good deal for us like it was you know it was 10 million pounds plus incentives and bonuses and stuff like that and and we beat out two clubs not only our rival club in arsenal um but you know the the biggest club in the world at that time you know in or the biggest club in england anyway in manchester united with sir alex ferguson and all the cachet that they had um and and he he was really kind of like, you know, he'd burst onto the scene with Southampton. He he'd played really well in the championship. He'd made his Wales senior team debut. Um, you know, he was he was he was everything that you wanted as a as a club like Tottenham Hotspur to sign. You wanted to sign these hot young prospects. These guys like, you know, this was around the time we were signing guys like you know Giovanni dos Santos and you know other young exciting players. And none of them ever really panned out in the same way that Gareth Bale did. Did he feel? What was it like when we when we signed him? I mean, did it feel like when we signed Dos Santos, where it's like we're taking kind of a flyer on this guy and he might be exciting, or did it feel like? I know when we got Sessegnon, I know it's kind of easy to forget because it's been kind of an underwhelming year and a half or whatever. But you know, it felt like a real coup when we got Sessegnon in here because he had so much hype in the championship. Well, I think you have to remember that you know. We weren't at that time in an era of, I mean, I mean, even though it's like what t- 2007, so it's you know 14 years ago, 13 years ago, we we didn't have as much exposure. Like you know, championship games now are on ESPN Plus. Like for for us American fans, uh, you know, we I'd certainly never see him play. You know, I, and so all we were going off of was you know whatever highlights you could find on the internet. Or you know whatever BBC articles you could find, or whatever you know the the Tottenham Hotspur forums that you were a part of had to say about it. Um, 
So I, I think there was a little bit, at least for an American fan's perspective, there was a little bit of mystery around him. And, you know, he was playing left back, so he wasn't like, you know, he he, he wasn't like this glamorous attacking player mm-hmm. that he would ultimately like Walcott, end up being. Like Walcott was when he yeah. went to Arsenal. Yeah, and so and so that was kind of you know the comparison that got you know, you know those were the two Southampton youth products from around the same time, and you know Gareth Bale was a defender, and I really maybe I'm misremembering, but I don't think there was ever really any talk of oh he can play winger, um, you know et cetera et cetera at that time. That was something that kind of came in later under Harry, um, right? I mean, it wasn't until Redknapp yeah. who really pushed him up. Right, and, and and so you know, I think we just thought we were getting a, a fast, athletic fullback who was a good striker of a ball, um, and, and you know, turned out we were getting actually one of the best attacking players in the world. We just didn't know. Well, I think the, the thing, one of the things is I think striking about looking back at him, he's always like you know he's a fit guy. He doesn't look like he's that skinny when you look at those pictures. But I mean, he filled out. I mean, he could. I mean, he looks like a he looks like a safety in American football now, or at least, or his peak at least before. Well, not his peak. I mean, he looked like a linebacker at his peak when he was at Real Madrid. But I mean, when he left Tottenham the first time, I mean, he like I said, he looked like he, could, he was a safety or something. He was very big. I mean, in a way, yeah. That, whatever he was getting in Madrid was really good. Um, but yeah, like you're right, like because he in the same way that like you look back at kind of what Harry Kane looked like when he was, you know, playing in FA Cup matches or, or you know, against Europa League scrub teams. Like, or at Leicester. Like. Yeah, like, he, he was he was always, like, tall physically, and it just but, like, he was lanky, and his limbs were, you know, like, Gareth Bale had much more coordination than, like, young Harry Kane ever had. Um, but, but yeah, I, you certainly didn't look at him and think that like this ma- this man's like thighs or calves are going to be ridiculous someday. <laughs> like he just looked like a pretty average footballer. When for you, like like I said, I, when I came in, he was this very when I came into Spurs, he was a very exciting young player. It was like he wasn't the star of the team, but you know, it was this is a guy with a future. This is a really dangerous attacker. That's where I came into Bale. When when did what was the first time it sort of twigged for you that Bale might be a special player? I mean, so I guess even early on he had some, like, good performances. Even though like, he wasn't winning games. Right, he wasn't winning games. It took him a year and a half to win a game. Well, And then the other thing they was... They literally was, put him on, I think it was I think it was Red Knapp, who put him on, at, like, he was coming off an injury, and we were whipping the shit out of Burnley, I think, like five We're up nil. Like five nil, yeah. Yeah, and he sticks him on in like the ninetieth minute just to make sure that people can't talk about this anymore. Yeah, and you know, like he scores, you know, I think in his I don't know second or third match ever for Tottenham, he scores in his first ever North London derby, which you know we we lost. Um, you know, like like so there were some signs definitely early on that he had the ability to be a special player. But I don't think, certainly I didn't, and I think to, for other people to say that they saw it earlier is, is kind of revisionist, but I don't think any of us really understood what he had the ability to be until that Champions League run. 
So you, it was that run where we were, like, beating Chelsea, like, beating all those teams, beating all those teams that we were sort of competing for at the top of the table with, where we just ran, because we, we, we had a real murderer's row to get into the Champions League that year. And I know the goal that sticks in my mind from, and again, I'm watching that season in retrospect, is that goal he scored against Chelsea, uh, where he cuts inside and just sort of... You know, I mean, you can just see his pace starting to develop there, where Chelsea doesn't exactly know what to do with him. Yeah, I mean that that 2010-2011 season. Well, um, that's where it blows up. Is it 2009-2010 is where we make the Champions League? Yeah, I and he was good in that 9-10 run. I'm not. I'm not trying to say he wasn't. Uh, I just, for me, it just really popped that this kid was special in in 10-11. Because I mean, even in was it the Inter game? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, it was the Inter game. I, th- I, I mean, so I'm a, th- I'm a bit of a weird contrarian about this, like, because I mean, obviously that that hat trick at the San Siro was impressive. I always thought his performance in the return leg was much more impressive. You know, where he completely dominated Inter on the wing in a way he didn't score any goals in that game, but I mean, you know, there's taxi for Mycon, is what everyone remembers. There's you know, I mean, he set up goal after goal. He almost set up, like, three more goals that, like, one was called, like, he had to dribble, he dribbled outside the line. I mean, it was just, I think that's one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen another player have, any player have in any game, where he was just, our attack ran through him, inner just, they knew it was coming and couldn't do anything about it. I mean, I know that hat trick was impressive, but I, I always thought the home performance against inner was a much more impressive display from Bale. That's where I sort of really started to believe in him. Yeah, and just I think that whole run through the Champions League in general was was just affirmation that he belongs kind of at that level. Um, and because I think for the club especially, you know, for being our first time back in the Champions League in general, um, I think we had a little bit of uh, a younger sibling kind of complex where you're, you're just like looking at it and you're running up against teams like uh, Inter Milan, AC Milan, uh, you know, Real Madrid, like, and, and you're wondering, like, do we belong on this level? And, and, and the performances really kind of bore out that we did. And, and not only did we belong, but that we were better than some of the, the teams that were like European elite. Um, or, you know, I guess in the case of both the Milan teams kind of like fading. So, you know, for for us and, and, and for Gareth Bale, like his emergence really did kind of was really important for the club because we were in this transitional period just like in terms of what we were doing as a club, how we were growing, what Daniel Levy was doing, what we were doing with our managers, that sort of thing. And, and he was kind of this one like burning superstar who was like, oh, well, you want to compete on the world stage. I also want to do that. And by the way, I have the ability to be one of the you know four or five best players in the world at a given time. So... For me, again, I want to go back to that inner game, the one at White Hart Lane for a second, because you saw a little bit of this, but I, I think in, in the leg at Milan, in, in Milan, but for me what struck me about that game was what a physical freak bail was. Like, And I don't think I, like, I realized he was strong and fast before that, but I didn't realize how strong and fast he was until he was, you know, 
just blowing past inner players in a way that, you know, I like. I mean, we had Aaron Lennon on the team, and he didn't do that. And Lennon was probably about as fast as Bale, but he just, he didn't do that. What Bale was doing because he didn't have that kind of power. But I mean, did you before that season? Did I mean, were that was that kind of physical skill set? I mean, were you aware of it before that season, or was that sort of like a bit of a revelation for you too? No, I mean, I think we always knew that he was a, a top-level athlete. I think, you know... Well, there's top-level athlete, and then there's, like, jumping ahead in his career. There's doing what he did to Jordi Alba. I mean... <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't think if you'd asked me in 2008 or 2009, like, do you think this guy will do this? What? No. There's no way that I would have ever looked at him and gone, yeah, he could do that to Jordi Alba. Um, Who's Jordi Alba? But, <laughs> but like... He was all like he always was, pacey, powerful. He, you know, he was a good dribbler. Uh, I, I think, for whatever reason, that that 2010-2011 season, he just kind of started to put it all together. And, and the other thing that helped was his body held up for that entire season too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess really, he missed some for, important matches, but he played for most of the year. Yeah. For for really for most of those last three seasons at Spurs, he was largely healthy. Well, certainly compared um, to what came afterwards, yeah. Right, and, and what had come even before, when you know, in his first couple seasons at Spurs, he was barely healthy those first two seasons. Well, it's, it's and then go ahead. I was just gonna say, and then so so, you know, you put together just natural development and natural aging curve with actually getting a decent run of performances. And I think if we know anything about Gareth Bale and if we've seen anything from his play this season is, you know, when he gets a decent run in the team, he really starts to get himself going. And and that's kind of what we saw in the in the 10-11 season. There was a, it was a few years later in his career. I think it was AVB who said it. someone was talking about Bale and he went down, he got like clipped um in the box and he was running at like full speed or outside the box. It was but he was running at full speed, and he got clipped, and it wasn't like, I don't even think it was intentional. Like, you know, someone's knee just touched his foot, and Bale goes down careening, and I, I'm sure we all remember, like, the is Bale a diver bullshit that we all got very tired of. But someone said, like, you know, Bale's kind of like a Ferrari. It's like he is a very powerful engine, and if he's, you know, it's he's very finely tuned, and if you throw something, in the, in, something out of whack, it, you know, it really affects everything. And I remember thinking at the time, that's just like a defense of him, you know, sort of, that's just defense of him, like, you know, diving or whatever. Uh, in retrospect, you know, I mean, looking at Bale's body as sort of a finely tuned supercar is like, I mean, I, I think there might be something to that. I mean, that, that was a guy who really had trouble staying fit at Real Madrid later in his career. And he did have a couple of years at Spurs where, like you said, he was, he was injured probably more than we would have liked, but he really was like, that was probably the healthiest period of his career. Yeah, uh, and, you know, he really follows up that that 10-11 season with another strong performance the year after. And then that the final year that he's at Spurs, he, like, is our attack. Well, um, it's, it's funny because you look at the managers he had here. And, I mean, it's really Harry Redknapp and Andre Villas-Boas. And Harry, I get. Like, Harry actually, for all the rat like, shit he gets about what a, like, wheeler-dealer he is and how he's got, like, sort of a tactically simplistic mindset. I think it's just he doesn't express those tactics in 
you know, the way that, say, Jonathan Wilson would. I think, you know, I mean, you know, Wilson said, like, you know, like, telling Romeo Pavlachenko to, like, like fuck, fucking run around a bit is actually, you know, like, a, it's not a sophisticated way of saying it, but it's a tactical instruction for what he's trying to tell a striker to do, you know. And I, it makes a lot of sense, because, I mean, see what you want about Harry Redknapp. He figured out the best how to get the best out of Luka Modric. I don't think Modric becomes the player he becomes without... Harry Redknapp sort of getting him integrated in the team and then further integrated in the league. And I think, you know, Bale, too, is like he gives... I mean, obviously he turns Bale into an attacker, but he really gives Bale a lot of freedom. And Bale really excels in that. But what always perplexes me is that, like, he goes nuclear under AVB. I mean, has the best season... Maybe of any Spurs player that I've seen um, in his last year at Spurs, where he is the attack, like you said. And what's a little strange about that is, like, ABB is a very disciplined defensive manager, and it's kind of weird that Bale would just thrive so much under him. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> it was all, it was hard to watch in a lot of ways because you were coming down from kind of some of the the nice stuff that we did under Harry Redknapp to this more structured system. And I think, you know, that's, that, that of course is, you know, hindsight because we were all very excited about Andre Villas-Boas. He was yeah. you know, continental and he was, he was new and exciting. And even though, you know, the shine had kind of come off during his tenure at Chelsea, um, he was very handsome. He looked good in a suit. He said lots of fun things. We just like, assumed all the problems were the result of Chelsea being a snake pit. Like, right. Um, but, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it just kind of boiled down to get the ball to Gareth Bale and hope he does something. And he did. He was fucking crazy that year. I've never, see, I've, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's a lot like, you know, our current system, honestly, where it's, you know, get the ball to Hungman's son or Harry Kane and hope they do something. And, you know, Gareth Bale just... You know, in the same way that that Son and Kane have delivered, you know, over the last couple of seasons, Gareth Bale just regularly delivered. I mean, you know, we've talked about him before, and you know, some of our favorite goals. I mean, you know, he gets the the you know the long ranger against. Um, there's one against Sunderland. There's one against what is Aston Villa, West Ham. Like, you know, he scored so many good goals that year. I think I, I maintain obviously the Inter Milan performances are sort of the quintessential Gareth Bale Tottenham performances, but I think if you really want to like see what Bale was all about at his peak, you you watch those six minutes against City when we just blitzed yeah. them and scored three goals because he's involved in I think each of the goals, and I mean there's that insane outside of the boot pass that he gets the Dempsey. And that's the then that's his first game back after having yeah. been out for what a couple of weeks with an yeah, ankle no, injury. I, I was wrong. No, the first goal is the foe, so he's not involved in all three. He's involved in the second two. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and, and you know, we were talking. I mean, the lead up to that game was, you know, how fit is he? Is he going to be enough? Like, will he come on as a substitute? Will he start? And then he comes out and he just. I mean, the, the, the assist to Dempsey is, like, like you insane. said, like, that's an amazing the, bit of skill. The goal where he chips Hart is, I think, that's probably my favorite Gareth Bale goal. I mean, I know he scored many more spectacular goals, but that whole play where he just wrecks that defense and, you know, just 
heart's coming out charging at him and he just chips it over him. It's Well, that's the other thing that I think, you know, we often lose in our discussion of Gareth Bale because we talk about, you know, the Jordi Alba, the taxi from Icon stuff and the, the uh, physical the, stuff. The, 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 yeah, we talk the stuff about that Kane the doesn't really have in his locker, like and I think has made him not a target of a team like Real Madrid, which is like Bale was fast and he could fucking hit the shit out of the ball. Right, and so we talk about all that stuff, but what, what we ignore then is so often is the the amazing technique that this yes. guy had. I mean, and you know, look, people will recognize his free kick taking ability. You know that uh, that's that's obvious. But like you said, that pass to to Dempsey, you know, the chip. I mean, you well, know, that he, he did sees cross- that pass is crazy. That he can make it is even crazier. He did a cross, you know, a couple weeks ago in a, in a, yep. you know, just recently. With, he hits an outside of the boot cross all the way across the field that lands, you know, right on somebody's head well, at the far post. on that same goal, he's smart enough to make the run inside as soon as it's over so he's able to finish the damn move. It, like, Yeah. It's just, you know, he, he, he gets a lot of, you know, recognition for the pace and power. But he, like, he really, really was, like... One of the most technically gifted and skilled footballers in the world. Even going back to that like 2010 season, I think in one of those inner games, there's like a clip I remember seeing it all the time of him like there's like three inner defenders around him and he's not moving at full speed and he does one of those like dances where he's sort of moving the ball around them and it's it's he was I mean I think Bale I think you're right he doesn't get enough credit for his technique because he was he really was a complete footballer. And injuries have really been the bane of his career. Because if he could have just stayed fit, which I think is hard for... I mean, you look at a Michael Owen, a, you know, guys who just rely so much on their physicality, even though they're good at everything. You know, it's just... It's hard to stay on the pitch. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, I think kind of Gareth Bale is obviously very different from sort of his peers at the top end of, um, you know, the attacking football pyramid like you know he's, he's comparable to Ronaldo in terms of you know physique um but you know Ronaldo yeah, even, was, yeah. I mean, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, was was a, Ronaldo had more a much more clinical full of tricks and like stepovers and yeah. and Gareth Bale was just as happy to kick the ball around you and run and go get it well Not Bale wasn't a pure step-overs. goal scorer I mean like Ronaldo Bale was never never scored as many no. goals as Ronaldo did absolutely not and, and you know in, in I just think, you know, he was – it would have been interesting to see what he did if he had gone somewhere other than Real Madrid or if he had found a way to coexist kind of with the powers that be at Real Madrid. And, and, and of course, like you said, hadn't gotten injured as often as he did. Well, let's talk about that because Bale was very beloved at Tottenham and – you know, I think, I mean, you look at, I think your comparison to this year's Spurs team is not a million miles off. Certainly we saw the next year just how limited a manager AVB could be. I mean, AVB in subsequent years has not played attractive football at any of the clubs. To the point where when he was at Zenit, like, Zenit legends were complaining about how boring Zenit was when they were on the course to win the league. But remember that Zenit did that cool photo shoot with them all in, like, the AVB always does look good in a suit. My point is, like, it was not a, you know, we were not set up to be thrilling, and Bale was just a force of nature. He made that team 
single, almost single-handedly made that team fun to watch. I mean, just scored incredible goals, dominated, really, like, I mean, was a top three attacker in the world, I think. I think he was probably the third best player in the world um, at the end of that season. I mean, he was just incredible to watch. To the point where I don't remember, I don't know how you felt. Like, I was a little sad to lose him just because it looked like we were going to hold on. I thought we would hold on to him for another year, and then Real Madrid just pushed us. And we sold him. I mean, I was a little disappointed because I thought we had one more year with him left. But, you know, like, I, I didn't hold it against him. I wasn't angry about him leaving in the way that I've been angry about other players leaving. Even though it was, like, kind of disappointing. You know, in retrospect, I got very mad at ABB that, like, he had such a good player and all he was able to do was finish fifth. You know, like, you have that attacking force and you can't do better with it. Um, but, you know, I never I never really begrudge Bale a move to Madrid. Partially because it's Madrid. Like, what, you know, what are you going to say? Like, they're, they are probably the biggest club in the world. Like, he certainly was good enough to play for them. Like, what, especially Spurs back then, we had made a Champions League final. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of the calculus that we were all doing at the time was it was different than the Luka Modric move because the Modric move hadn't been about, you know, the same level of money. And when the figures that are being thrown around are, you know, world record transfer fees, 100 million euros, that sort of stuff, it's easier for you to look at it and go, well, we could buy, I don't know, six, seven new guys with that money. Now, of course, the seven guys we did buy were meh, but... Um, I disagree with know. that. I think I think the haul we got in return for Bale proved to be, I mean, pretty decent. You got to throw... What, Larice was in there? Eriksson? I mean, I think the... I mean, just the, those guys the, by themselves are like, that. that's pretty good. I mean, Larice, Eriksson, and Lamella are the three yeah. that are actually worthwhile out of that crowd. No, I mean... I, I am probably one of the more negative Spurs fans about Nasser Chadley, but say what you want about Nasser Chadley. I think the guy was wildly overrated. I think he was very limited as a footballer, but that guy was like a productive player for Spurs. I mean, he's not Gareth Bale. He's not great, but like he was a productive player for Spurs for like two to three years there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think... It's not Capu. It's not... Paulinho, it's not, you know, I mean, he was a player who contributed to this team in a real way. He made money on Paulinho, at least. Ugh, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I understand your point, but but I think ultimately the issue was, is like, it's like, we were all sitting here and we're like, ah, 100 million pounds, yep. like, or 100 million euros, we can, we can do something with that, like, with that, that's something that we can, t- I mean... I don't remember the names of the players we were, like, in our heads talking ourselves into. Like, I can't, I'm not that, I don't remember that well. But, like, we were talking ourselves into, like, oh, maybe what the, we'll do is we'll turn around and we'll spend $50 million yep. on, you know, I don't, David well, Silva the- or wh- whoever was the big name at the time, like, you know. And, of course, we Villa, did. It was Villa, Villa was the guy we were going after, wasn't he? Weren't we? Yes, it was somebody from Spain. I, I, but, but, you like- know. I think that move shows... I think when we talk about selling Harry Kane, which is a thing that people are talking about, it's worth remembering. You might be able to put that money to good use, but you give up a superstar, someone who's as good as Gareth Bale or Harry Kane, like, it is very hard to replace them, both in terms of production on the pitch and in terms of like the emotional void they leave in the fan base. I mean, Bale was a huge star for Spurs fans. 
And, you know, I think all those players were productive, but, like, the two players who were most productive, the two players who are going to be remembered the most fondly by Spurs fans that we picked up with that money were relative bargains. I mean, it was, like, $18 million for Hugo and, like, $11 million for Erickson, and obviously we were a little bit fortunate to get those deals for those players because of the circumstances of the market, but, you know, Lamella is... I love Eric Lamella, but, like, you know, I mean, we... He's not the most important player we got with that money. I mean, he was our wasn't he our record signing? Yeah, thirty million, something him? like that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, look, um, it it was hard to. It, I don't want to make it sound like that we didn't regret losing Gareth Bale. I think we were all, you know, upset about it. But I think from a business perspective, from a perspective of where the club was in the general hierarchy of world football, we all understood it. It wasn't like Berbatov going United where, you know, I think, and some of that was just the timing, but like, you know, I think Spurs fans were angry about it. I mean, I think we were all disappointed, but there wasn't like, I don't think Spurs fans turned on Bale in the way that we have turned on other players for getting out of here. Well, and I think that that becomes, you know, even more obvious the longer he's in Madrid because, you know, every three or four or you know, he was in, he's in Madrid, what, seven years. And, you know, over the course of that time, at least a couple times before this summer, um, rumors came up that, oh, well, he might be offered back to, to Spurs or he'll be he'll be offered as a as make weight in a deal for Harry Kane or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, whenever that was presented as an opportunity, I think Spurs fans largely were like, yeah, like, that sounds great. We'd love him back. Um, you know, there was never there was never a sense of, nah, fuck that guy. He left us. He spurned us for Real Madrid. Like, we don't want him now. Well, I think there's something about, you know, since then, you know, I mean, Spurs have had, not since he left, because obviously Modric left before him, but, you know, we've had Luka Modric, we have Gareth Bale, now we've had Harry Kane. You know, I mean, Tottenham's had a lot of really excellent players, but Bale felt like the first, even though I guess Modric was here. But, you know, Bale felt like the first superstar. And I think at the time especially, when we'd only been in one Champions League campaign, like, there just felt something like, yeah, he is kind of outgrowing us. He does deserve Like, Real Madrid won him. Like, you know, maybe United were a bigger team than us too, but, like, they play in England, so that might have caused more of sort of a fuck you feeling to it. But, you know, it's it's Real Madrid. Like, they're in another country. They're a much bigger team than us. He is, like I said, I think arguably the best player in the world the season before he leaves us, not named Messi or Ronaldo. It felt like it's fine. And it, I think it was a, it's a real shame that not only was his Madrid career go the way it went, but he scored two goals. I mean, it put everything else aside. Because I think he had some very good years for them. He scored two goals for them where, like, if a Tottenham player scored those goals in those situations, like, that guy wouldn't have to buy a drink, you know, from if a Spurs fan was around for the rest of his life. Like, that, that overhead kick in the Champions League final, uh, or that bicycle kick in the Champions League final, you know, again, like, I know that wasn't, like, maybe the crucial goal of the match, but that was fucking insane that he scored that in the Champions League final. And, you know... I mean- he tr- wins four Champions Leagues there. Four Champions Leagues. And he, he scores in his first season there when they're really having trouble like overcoming Barcelona. He scores that insane goal where he outruns Jordi Alba down the pitch. 
to win. I know it's just the Copa del Rey, which for those two teams doesn't mean a whole lot. But like, you know, if if a Spurs player did that to like Arsenal, like at the peak of Arsenal's powers, holy shit, that guy would. Like, like I said, he would never have to buy a drink if a Spurs fan was within spitting distance for the rest of his life. Never have to pay for another round of golf. No, exactly. And I think that's the the sort of, you know, I think Bale, especially as his career went on, it, it became very clear that he just, like, this is a job to him. This is a 9 to 5. I mean, not 9 to 5, but, you know, it's it's this is... Very much a job. And I think we expect players to treat it as more of a passion or whatever. But he's like, no, I'm getting all that money you agreed to pay me. And I'm going to play a lot of golf. And it seems like the things he's passionate about are playing golf and playing for Wales. Because Wales have actually done pretty well. They had a pretty impressive you know, Euro campaign with him. And he seems to really enjoy playing for Wales in a way that I don't think he always does playing for his club teams. Well, and I mean... Uh, I've heard Sid Lowe talk about this before, and I'm sure other journalists have talked about it, you know, equally as extensively and eloquently. But, you know, we have this impression of footballers or any professional athlete that they're supposed to live and breathe their sport and be completely and utterly committed to it in a way that we don't expect, you know, you or I to be completely committed to our jobs. And so the fact that Gareth Bale had an interest outside of football uh, really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, uh, for for no particular reason. You know, like I think the Ronaldo stuff really. I think if you want to look at his time in Madrid, I think the context of it is really a lot of people thought he was brought in to replace Ronaldo, and that didn't go over very well with large portions of the Madrid fan base. And that means when it seems like he cares more about Wales, when it seems like he won't stop playing golf or. He's more interested in golf than he is in football. That just, there's, you know, because I don't think, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a joke among other fans, but it seems like Madrid fans are the ones who get really bent out of shape about this stuff. I mean, that being said, like, the the flag, you know, Wales Golf Madrid in that order is <laughs> like, that. I mean, that's one of the best things that's ever happened. But it's fun, it's, it's interesting, too, because, and I think it's one of the great shames about his return to Spurs, because... I would say for maybe not his whole time at Madrid, but certainly the last couple of years, like those fans have been outright hostile to him. The club has probably been outright hostile to him. Certainly he doesn't get along with Zidane. So, you know, I think one of the shames about it is because Bale's been such a good player and he was such a good player for us that he didn't get more of a homecoming because fans weren't allowed in the stands. Because I think it would have been, you know, like, I mean, we talk about like our, our season might have hinged on him scoring against West Ham early in the season, but imagine if he scored that goal, and imagine if there have been fans in the stadium. Like, imagine that would have been, like, for Gareth Bale, who, even if you just look at this as a job and you don't really care that much, like, you've got 60,000 people who love you again. And probably Bale would have gotten positive responses all year, even when he was dogging it a little bit, because, you know, but, you know, he had that last period of time where he was still really good, and it's just, like, it's a shame that he's not getting that reception, and, you know, to keep this podcast on brand, it's a shame he's not doing it with, like, a better team and manager um oh you're muted brian we, we take a drink i was gonna say um I'm, let me ask you because now the rumors are or the, the talk out of madrid anyway seems to be that gareth bale despite having only one year left on his contract is not welcome back at madrid next year of course he's not welcome um, back at madrid next he's year. he's indicated that he intends to go back to madrid next year um, 
would you have him back for another year? I think it depends. Um, obviously, if Spurs hopefully have a new manager, his input is important. Um, putting that aside, you know, it's it's COVID times. So, like, would I take Gareth Bale back if that was the difference between getting a really good center back and not getting a really good center back? No. All other things being equal, like if we had, a, especially if we had a decent manager next year, even if we had Mourinho next year, like you know, bail off or something. And as long as we're not on the hook past next year, maybe. Like it's just about it's it's honestly it's like if things were normal, like I mean, we play in a money printer now. Like I wouldn't have a problem keeping bail around. Now that said, if things were normal, would Madrid be this desperate to get him off their books where they're going to pay sixty percent of his salary? I, I don't know. Um, you know, I just I would keep him if he's not keeping us from. You know, if if keeping Gareth Bale is the difference between firing Jose Mourinho and keeping him around, then don't keep him. If Gareth Bale is the difference between getting players we desperately need who are going to be here for the long term, I don't think we should. But if it's something we can afford, like we've seen how productive he could be this year, you know, and I wonder what he would do under like a better manager. Yeah, and, and you know, I think he's not lived up to the expectations that we heaped on him out of nostalgia. Um, but I still think he's had a pretty good year. Um, well, you know, considering he's barely played for the 18 months beforehand. Right. And then considering that, you know, didn't really have a preseason and, and you know, the issues you said with like, you know, playing in, in stadiums with no fans. And then the, a lot of the matches that he were playing, that he was playing in were in, you know, uh, you know, against, Wolfsburg's non-union Austrian equivalent and you know like he wasn't he wasn't getting a run out against Premier League competition on Premier League pitches every week and I, I don't know I think you see that technical ability I mean the speed's not there the the, the no. pace and power aren't there anymore I guess the power is kind of there but you can see what a good technical footballer is now I'm a little question I think it's questionable if you can afford to play him against better teams but, God, even if you just have him around as a late substitute or a flat-track bully, I think, you know, I think there's uses for him. It's just about what can we afford, um, and is he going to get in the way of long-term improvements of the club? Because that's, that's my issue, because I don't think Bale's played that badly this year. Now, I might be cutting him a bit of a break, because I think I probably blame Mourinho or his fitness for a lot of his ineffectiveness. But, you know, I think there's uses for him. I, I wouldn't be sad to see him back. Yeah, and I think the thing is... Recently, we've seen him be a liability against bigger teams. Um, you know, the the North London Derby is the easy example. Yeah, but everybody um, was a liability against them, so you know it's, it's right. hard to differentiate. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, how much of that is he's on the same side as Matt Doherty, and also Pierre Emil Hoiberg's legs have fallen off, and also you know all the other things that bad happened in that match. Um, but you know, I think. I think if what you're talking about is is him coming back to Spurs on a loan for the last year of his Real Madrid contact, which seems unreasonable or unlikely. I disagree. I think it's extremely likely because I think Madrid's going to have to just eat his whole contract otherwise. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they I think they try to get some money for him this summer from somewhere. I don't think they're getting um, any money from him after what they've seen, unless MLS wants him or something like that. Like. I mean, Inter Miami would probably mm-hmm. take him. 
you know, we just signed. You have a lot uh, of good Kier- golf courses there, so we do. And uh, we just signed, um, you know, football legend Kieran Gibbs to play fullback. So, um, and we have Ryan Shawcross on our team, so oh, Gareth Bale doesn't really? have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, I'm honestly interested to see how he plays in the Euros this summer because um, I think it's gonna. I think the Euros are gonna be such a weird fucking tournament with the way this year is going that I'm very curious to see what that looks like. I I firmly believe it will be the most garbage football we have ever. Seen. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it won't be fun. Is <laughs> like it could just yeah, be lots I mean, of stupid goals. I think the World Cup after the you know will be even worse. Um, oh, I agree with that. Although, right. you're going to get a World Cup where guys are kind of in their prime fitness, which could be really interesting. As much as I don't want to see a World Cup in Qatar, like, you're not getting them dead tired at the end of the year. You're getting them sort but of probably But we're also talking about, get, you know, especially guys from the European countries, guys who haven't had, what, more than two weeks off in, what, a year and a half, two yep. years? Yep. So, eh. um, But, yeah, so... It... it it's interesting because it does seem like kind of Gareth Bale's career is winding down now, oh, yeah. even though he's not that old. But he's you can he's, see the physical. I mean, I think he's still got a lot of technique, and I think he's still got a lot to offer some team. But I just think, like, you can just see what a liability is in certain situations with Spurs. And it's, it's a shit. I'm glad he came back, partially because this year's been such a shit show. Watching Bale sort of score some good goals has been, like, one of the bright spots of the year, and you can still see he's got a little bit left in the tank. This isn't, like, Henri coming back to Arsenal. Um, But it's just, you know, he's a luxury. I mean, he is the definition of a luxury player at this point in his career. And it's nostalgia, I will fully admit. If there's any reason to want him back next year, it's nostalgia. It's, It's just a question of, is he good enough to offset that to some extent? And I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I... I'm happy to have watched him come back. Like it's been fun. It's been nice to see him. Like he seems to be enjoying himself a little bit. I really like my Gareth Bale jersey from this season. Like I'm super happy that I bought it. Like you know, you know, and it would be nice watching Gareth Bale. Like I, we can get into this at another point in time. But if we won the League Cup, it would be nice to watch Gareth Bale lift a trophy in a tie. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I care more about some of the other guys on the yeah, team. Yeah, me too. Been around. Me too. But it would be nice. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be upset if Gareth Bale is lifting a trophy in a Spurs shirt. That'll be that'll be fun. So overall, are you glad Bale came back? Yeah, I, I am. I, I I think I'm just the, the only reason I'm it's been disappointing is because kind of the expectations that I created in my own mind, um, you know, where I thought, you know, oh. Bale and Kane and Son, and we're gonna have the best attacking front three in the league, and we're gonna just score tons of goals, and we're gonna be super fun, and um, none of that has happened, uh, and and that's my fault because I talked myself into that, even though I know all the things that I do know about football and Jose Mourinho, um, but but yeah, no, I think uh, I think it's been great. I, I you know, there have been enough moments. Um, this season to to warrant well the, honestly him be as much as I feel like he's been ill served to some degree by this team like those have been some of the few bright spots in a fairly like just disappointing season like you know so I've enjoyed that yeah he's had some really great goals he's had some great like you know the 
I forget even what game it was now, but whatever the 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 one where Harry Kane also scored the really good goal. Man, we won four to nothing. Oh, come on, Burnley. Yeah, yes, it must have been Burnley. They had a really good goal in that game. He looked great. The, he looked great for like fifty minutes. It's it's just ugh. it's so sad. And, you know, he's had a couple moments where he does the thing where he shifts it onto his right, back over to his left, cuts inside, and just poof, bang. You're just like, wow, wow, you're so good. Like, I wish I just could do one thing that good. And um, he's he's just amazing. And and it's just fun to see that, you know, on display for for Tottenham. Like, you know, it's different now because we're a little more used to having players that are kind of at that level. I mean, we've got Harry Kane, who I don't think there's any argument is one of the best strikers in the world. Um, we've got Hungman Son, who, you know, absolutely one of the best players in the world. And, and, and we've seen both of them do crazy things. I mean, we saw, you know, Eric Lamella's ridiculous Rabona. And, you know, we just have a different class and quality of player now. But even still, the stuff Gareth Bale does and can do stands out. So let's move on for Bale. I'm going to take one or two questions out of our mailbag um, before we move on. I do want to point out Anthony D'Angelo asked a good question about our experiences uh, when we see games live and how it shaped the way we support the team. I'm going to save that for next week uh, when we have a little bit more time to talk about it and hopefully Ben is here too so we can give Ben something to talk about that isn't Jose Mourinho. Um, I want to start with this question from at Mantra Dave which I think might just eat up the rest of our time. What college team I'm going to just assume he's talking about college football here. But what, what, what American college football team best reflects the ethos of Spurs? We were talking about this a little bit pre-show, and I don't know. There's, there's, I feel like there's a lot of different places you could go with this. You definitely think it's not your alma mater, Mizzou, right? No, we're not good enough um, overall. And we're just like, we not would be good like, enough to be Tottenham Hotspur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, Mizzou would be more like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of so like we'd be like Norwich, we're like you just like you're there. Um, no, I, I you're right. We did talk about this, and this isn't going to be interesting for our English fans. Um, but I, you mentioned that you think it's Auburn. Yeah, because like Auburn challenges for titles. Now they've won more than we've won in, in recent memory, but like they're kind of at the top of the league. They have a bit of like comical tragic comedy about them where like you know bad things happen to them in an embarrassing way on a semi-regular basis but they also have a habit of bloodying the nose of teams better than them and they've got a fairly decent sized fan base so I don't know I think Auburn is you know again if you discount sort of Cam Newton and I guess maybe like Cam Newton's Gareth Bale in this analogy and you just ignore the the uh, national ch- championship. I think. I think Auburn fits us to a T. Yeah, I, I think the important thing is that you have to have like a little bit of the little brother complex. Um, you know, with well, with having... they, Auburn's got that in spades. <laughs> yeah, and and that's why I think you know you know you, I try to think of some other schools that have sort of Georgia. That little brother complex. Georgia, yeah. The problem with Georgia is we would be Georgia if people had if people expected Spurs to win the league every year and then they hilariously fumble it away. Like that would be Georgia, but like I I don't think I think Georgia has bigger expectations than Spurs. Well, you know, people expect Georgia to always be better than they really are going to be. 
Yeah, and so like I would think of like teams like Texas A and M or well, I think we're better Michigan than that. State, and we're also not a weird cult, or at least not more so than any. Yeah, other I mean team. that is the that is the thing that is the problem with, with. I mean, I think some people would argue that most football fans are part of a weird cult. I mean, um, like we're not Liverpool fans, is what I want to say. Like Liverpool's also no, too good yeah, to be is, Texas A and M, but. True. As a fan base, it fits. Like, they just, like if Liverpool fans could figure out how to all wear the same uniform to a game, they would. Definitely. Absolutely they would. And, you know, I'm sure they would have giant bonfires, um, too, because, I mean, that seems like a thing. Um, yeah, I, it's, I think Auburn really is probably the best comparison. Um, I, now, now what I'm doing is just thinking of like schools that have like weird inferiority complexes, like you know, like a there's a uh, lot of like, those, there's like a, a Georgia Tech or like a UCLA, like Clemson. Versus... Clemson is like the best team in college football, and they still have an inferiority complex. Yeah, but again, we're not good enough to be. No, Clemson. we are definitely not good enough to be Clemson. Um, you know, I I think. Yeah, if the Cam Newton season doesn't exist, then the Auburn comparison is very, very nice. Like, but I don't think we're like at Penn State. I feel like has too the like too good a reputation to be a, or at least before you know <laughs> certain things happen. We don't have that either, thankfully. Right. Um, I don't know. Are we Boise State? We're fun to watch, but we never win anything. I don't feel like uh, no. I feel like you're right. It needs the little brother complex and some element of like tragic comedy surrounding them. And I mean, I guess I guess Boise State would be like an interesting analogy for us, kind of in the pre-Pochettino era, where we're kind of on the outside looking in at the Big Four. But now we've kind of now that now that we had Pochettino and we like sort of solidified our position as, as one of the big clubs. I don't know that that's necessarily as applicable anymore. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it as any. Um, so war damn, war damn cockerel, I believe <laughs> is how it would go. Um, Brian, uh, where would people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. And you can find our dearly departed, can't hang uh, co-host Ben Daniels at Comrade U Spurs. You can find me at Skipjack0079. And of course, you can find our podcast at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. If you suffer through an entire conversation with Gareth Bale and our college football talk, I think you owe it to us. And uh, on top of that, I think it's time to go. Uh, for Brian, for our, uh, can't hang Ben... And of course, for Brett Rainbow, I have been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.